The following is a message from Reverend Ken Belden of Wellsprings Congregation. So new message title today, Screw Perfection. Our video wasn't working until 30 seconds before the service. They were running on like mad, doing their magic. The band wasn't on the same page. My battery pack died 30 seconds ago. Let me hear it. Screw perfection. There is no amazing grace if we don't know what it's like to not be able to find ourselves, right? Awesome. So, as some of you know, my wife and I bought our first home last summer. And as many of you know, probably almost all of us know, moving is, well, stressful. This was brought home to me around this time last year. It was on sabbatical, some of you know. And we were packing up all the stuff in the apartment that we've been in for a full decade. And it's amazing how much stuff can hide in so many corners after a decade. Do we keep this? Do we leave that? And I called out to my wife in another room. Where's the exacto knife? Answer, you had it last. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. Where's the exacto knife? Finally, I'm like, okay, this is not going to solve this. I got to look in her eyes. We got to answer the question this way. Where's the exacto knife? And she just gave me this look. Where's the exacto knife? And she just kept looking at me. It was in my right hand the entire time. <laughs> Moving is stressful. It is listed as among the top five stressors in our life. Death, relationship change, getting a new job. I always forget the fifth one, but moving is there. What? Public speaking. That's why I forgot that one, because it's not stressful to me anymore. It used to be. Today's Spirit Flicks movie begins with a move. Begins by meeting this 11-year-old, Riley. Even more, she's not the main character, really. The main characters are who is inside her mind. Anger, fear, joy. We'll come back to joy. There's a little pixie sprite happy person in the middle. Disgust and sadness. The five emotions that make up the inside of inside out. I cannot tell you how much I love this movie. I could preach ten messages on this movie. I had to pick one for today. It is witty. It is bittersweet. It is charming. It is bright. It breaks your heart and then heals your heart. It's visually has all these great puns in it. It's got a train of thought running through her head. It's awesome. Although I got to tell you, it was disappointing. Far be it for me to question the geniuses at Pixar. But I kept waiting on where's the stream of consciousness. <laughs> all right. Well, they can save that for the sequel. What I want to focus on here today is on the original meaning of movie. And think about that word, movie. When movies first were, movies meant moving as opposed to still photographs. This is a movie that is about movement and that moved me profoundly. One of the reasons I loved it is that this movie 
doesn't have a villain. It really doesn't. And yet it just has tremendous dramatic tension. There's no villain, but there's a challenge. The challenge is growing up. The challenge is moving between not just geographies. The challenge is movement within our own heart. The star of this movie is joy. Now, if you want to raise your hand with me, who doesn't want more joy? Who doesn't? Who wants more joy? (laughs) Screw perfection, people. You agreed with me. We got you on tape. I want more joy. But the problem is joy wants only joy. Joy in this movie is something of a control freak. (laughs) See, Riley is a tween. She's 11 years old. And that's one of the genius parts of this movie. It's not just her age. It's that she is actually between forms of life. And we don't need to be an 11-year-old. We don't need to be a tween to be between. Riley and all of her emotions are in one of those chrysalis moments what we talk about in our core beliefs here at Wellsprings. No longer the butterfly, the caterpillar. It's in the air today, folks. No longer the caterpillar, not quite the butterfly, the in-between state. And joy, at first, doesn't want to face that, doesn't want to acknowledge the truth of being between facts of life. Joy, particularly, if you've seen the movie, doesn't trust this sad-looking character over here in blue. Joy doesn't want to share Riley's mind with sadness. Joy, in the name of wanting Riley to be able to handle everything, manage everything, and stay happy with everything through time, ends up jeopardizing Riley's well-being. And I won't tell you all the permutations of this, but joy and sadness get lost in Riley's mind. And they have to find their way back to the core of who she is so that Riley will be able to be who she is and what she loves. Now, I got to tell you, I love this character of joy. Reminded me of my own attached places when I want things to be the way I want them to be. Joy also really reminded me of this person, this real world character. Joe Osteen, if any of you know him, and you know, he's not going to pay any attention to me critiquing him. His congregation is a hundred times the size of my congregation here. And by the way, you cannot find a picture of Joel Austin without that same smile plastered to his face. Oh, my cheeks would hurt. I get cramps. And here's the thing. I'm not bringing up Joel Austin because he's from a different tradition. He is. That's fine. I have a lot of friends from different traditions where I really disagree with Joel Austin is this. Not his religious dogma. His emotional dogma. All of his teaching. Is about expect the next best thing, your best life now. Everything can be here for you, every moment of your life. While I was working on this message, a friend of mine on Facebook who has suffered 
profound loss and profound grief in their life, posted something about Joel Austin that really pinpointed why he is an emotional dogmatist. It said that in his writings, he is a grief illiterate. Yeah, he doesn't honor the brokenness of our lives. He thinks it's unfaithful to feel pain for anything longer than, I don't know, a couple minutes. There's something actually, I think, faithless about the addiction to happiness all the time. It doesn't honor the different seasons of our life. Now, I know this through many different ways, but I got to tell you where I first heard this and to quote uh, a song that's closer to Austin's tradition than my own. How do I know this? This I know for the Bible tells me so. Ecclesiastes. It's right there. There is a time for every purpose under heaven. Dancing and mourning, weeping and laughing, love and hate, war and peace. There is a time for every purpose under heaven. And to insist that there is only one season of the soul or of the heart is inhuman. Riley's emotions and joy, particularly, need to learn to grow up in this movie. Like a lot of teens, and even more, I think, I'll raise my hand on this, like a lot of adults, Riley and Joy and all of her emotions are learning that life is very often not easy. That our plans don't turn out as we would have thought. That our plans for happiness get frustrated. And that our maturity is expressed not by saying over and over again, this is the season that must be, but by turning to the season that is and finding mature, healthy, whole responses Joy's first reaction to change in Riley's life is perfectionism. And what do we say about perfectionism? Well, I heard some other good things here that I hadn't said before. I think I almost heard an F word there, too. Perfectionism, handling it all, controlling it all, managing it all. That's Joy's first response. It's emotionally dogmatic. But maturity is learning this. To be able to relate to it all. Not to control it, but to be able to face the complexity of our lives. To be able to say, even if we don't like it, it's here. It belongs. How can I face it? The arc of the spiritual development of this movie, if you will, reminded me of one of my first teachers along the contemplative path, the mindfulness path. It's a fellow named Thomas Keating, who's an ancient, God, he's got to be 95 now, I think, an ancient Cistercian Catholic monk. He's got this little hee hee laugh, and he just is brimming with wisdom. And he is joyful, but not the kind of joy that negates sadness. He refers to contemplative practice as this, and it's one of the best things I heard, and I heard it years ago when my life was in no way ready for a true contemplative practice, being able to face my life, but I held it as a seed within me for years. He says contemplative practice is like divine psychotherapy. I love that phrase, divine psychotherapy. 
Because he's saying when our plans for happiness get frustrated, as they inevitably will, we can do our habitual thing. We can do our conditioned thing. We can do the thing that our evolution tells us it's our right to be able to do. Fight, flight, freeze. We can seek the immediate escape saying, I don't want to face this, especially when it's within ourselves. We can deny, we can repress, we can oppress ourselves. Or we can just angrily defend our turf. But that is not healing. And it certainly is not maturity. I think that what Father Keating is talking about is very similar to what our great teacher in our tradition, Henry David Thoreau, said when he wrote these words. I believe that we may trust a good deal more than we do. All change is a miracle, and it is a miracle that is taking place at every instant. When he says trust, by the way, he's not talking about getting everything that we want. This is a guy who died at 42 from tuberculosis. The trust that he's talking about is that we have the capacity to face our lives because all life is movement. All life is change. And if we move with it, we will be able to grow. This is the problem with joy. Perhaps in your heart or in your head and certainly in the movie. That joy is sometimes inflexible. Has to learn how to make space for other emotions. Has to learn how to share the road. Joy doesn't teach this lesson to herself. She is taught it by this amazing character. My favorite. (laughs) Bing bong. Bing bong. The imaginary friend that's hanging out way, way, way in the recesses of Riley's mind. That they only find Bing Bong because joy and sadness are lost and off the beaten track. Bing Bong, who is uh, part elephant, part cat, made out of cotton candy and speaks fluent dolphin. (laughs) Bing Bong. Well, I have to tell you, if you haven't seen it, I'm not going to give it all away. But whose story brought me to just almost sobbing. And by the way, it's really, really hard to cry when you're wearing 3D glasses on top of your actual glasses in the movie theater. (laughs) See, Bing Bong moves the story forward, moves the story forward towards maturity, moves it along, allows Riley and Joy to grow up through an incredibly brave and courageous act. An act of being willing to move out of the way so that new life can come to be. This is the most poignant expression of the words from Paul in the Christian scriptures that I have ever seen enacted. The most poignant expression of putting away childish things in the name of life and in the name of love. Joy eventually recognizes that the way back, the way to wholeness, is that beauty, truth, and goodness will be unlocked by allowing sadness in. Allowing sadness to claim sadness's place. Because here's the great thing. Sadness only exists in the first place because it holds everything that Riley loves. Think about the things, feel the things that you are sad about, maybe today. 
don't have to go very far to scratch the surface to see that sadness indicates our love. We don't have to dig so deep to see that what we are sad about is also what grows our hearts and fills our hearts. When sadness is integrated with joy, when joy and sadness can dance together, Riley is able to move forward with her new life without losing who she is and without losing what she loves. This movie reminded me of the great words from the romantic poet William Blake, joy and woe are woven fine, clothing for the soul divine. Joy and woe are woven fine, clothing for the soul divine. Joy and woe find out that they are actually partners. I like to envision them in my understanding of this movie as dance partners. I had an opportunity recently to dance with joy and woe. It was completely unexpected. I mean literally dance with joy and woe. I was at, as some of you know, a retreat at Kripalu, yoga, meditation, and recovery conference. And the most powerful session that I attended was about trauma-informed yoga. And it was by a teacher who has had tremendous awful, heartbreaking trauma as a part of her life and engaging us into her piece of the retreat, she told her story. And so many of us were in tears. And then she opened up the floor for people to start to tell their stories. Most of them women, some men who have experienced Heartbreaking loss, heartbreaking trauma, awful violence, unfairness, injustice. And found their way to the mat, found their way to the cushion to heal their own hearts. I mean, I wouldn't even try to convey all these stories that I heard. It was just such a visitation of the holy and so painful as well, too. And with about 15 minutes to go in this sharing, this impromptu sharing that just sprung up from amidst the stories of the people there. Becky said, at the end of this, we're going to dance. And I could see some of the people start to say, "Uh -uh." (laughs) uh-uh. And in fact, some of the people left. But a lot of the people stayed. And she put on music and we started to do yoga dance. I have never done yoga dance before. It was awesome. It was incredible. And she said at one point, okay. You're going to get down. You're going to do your you're going to do your bridge pose. You're going to do your bridge pose and you're going to keep your bridge pose and then you're going to turn it over and then you're going to be a bridge for someone else to walk through to scamper right through. And we were playing and then you're going to do then you're going to do your downward dog. Then you're going to do your downward dog. And then you know what? You're going to become a real dog. So I want you to go around and sniff some other dog's butt. And lo and behold, there I was as a dog walking around sniffing other dogs' butts. (laughs) And it was so healing. She didn't cancel out the woe. She brought the joy. None of it negated what she had shared, what other people had shared, but she encouraged us to do this, to feel, to feel, to feel. 
all the feelings. Feel all the feelings. It didn't sort it all out. The pain is still the pain. But it encouraged us to move with the pain. To experience body, breath, and heart. Joy and woe are woven fine clothing for the soul divine. See, the body, when it is moved in love, is more than just the motion. The body can become a lived tuning fork, tuning us in to the pitch, the sound, the echo of the sacred. Our joy can dance with our sadness, and our sadness can dance with our joy. We can become flexible, which is what joy in the movie learns to do and learns to become. Not willful anymore, insisting upon her own way, but willing to grow. When we let go of whatever emotional dogma we hold of must be joyful all the time or must be happy all the time or must be fill in the blank all the time, must be in control all the time, that life can only be one thing for us. When we let go of that emotional dogma, we grow large, loving, roomy hearts. We can move with life. We can grow with life. We can honor this life. We can experience what many of us experienced this past week. I posted on Facebook that it was the most profound symbolism beyond emotional dogma that I experienced this past week when watching those amazing celebrations after the Supreme Court decision. Literally, what my television had was a split screen. A celebration on one hand of the Supreme Court decision with marriage equality for so many people I care about, for millions of our fellow citizens. And right next to that, the live feed from Charleston, South Carolina, and the funeral of Reverend Clementa Pinckney. Joy and woe are woven fine clothing for the soul divine. One does not cancel out the other. My prayer simply that day, and it still is, may we open to all of it. May we see the sadness in our love and the joy in our love and the love that holds us all. Because the truth is, my friends, this is what I believe more than anything. Our hearts are much bigger than we think. My heart is much bigger than I think. Your heart is much bigger than you think. We are more flexible, more lovely, more loving than we think. We are as flexible as we are willing to move with life. Today, may you move with life. And even more, may you allow life to move you. Amen. May you live in blessing. Let's pray together. Spirit, may we be a ready people, ready for what life will throw at us beyond what we can think, beyond what we can expect, beyond what we can anticipate. May we be a ready and a willing people.
to receive this life, to move with life, to flow with life, to sit at times, yes, with moving hearts with this life, open, ready to receive it all, ready to love ourselves, ready to love others. May we open, may we move, may we be a ready people, dear God. Amen. If you enjoyed this message and would like to support the mission of Wellsprings, go to our website, wellspringsuu.org. That's wellsprings, the letters uu.org.